Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. How many people are, how many of y'all glad God made a way? Now, that, that sounded like folks who God's made a little bit of a way for. I, so let me try that again. How many of y'all are glad that God made a way for you? Scripture says, when I should have been cut off, he had mercy. Paul said it this way, where he says, when I was yet in my sin, Christ died for me. So let's give God one more praise in this place. I'm not, I'm not, it's good to be here at at South Bay. Uh, And, um, I'm not going to be before you long. Um, I grew up born and raised in the church. And uh, when I first uh, was getting mentored to, to preach, my uh, pastor told me, Ben, don't make the people happy twice. <laughs> happy to see you get up and happy to see you sit down. Amen. So we're going to attempt to be happy one time. Look at the person next to you and say one time. <laughs> Look at him again and say, for your holy mind. And I'm just we're not going to rap today. Hey, man, we're just going to see what, what God is saying. It, doesn't it feel good to be able to smile, right, to be able to have some joy, right, to be able to celebrate that even amidst great challenge that the world still might be under, there still is a people of God that are leaning into the spirit of God. And I don't know about you, but I still believe that God's got all power. And that if the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is living inside of us, and I feel like the world's got a shot. Right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today and, and lean in. Uh, Pastor Murphy told me it's Young Adult Sunday. Is that right? I used to be a young adult pastor. Y'all make some noise, young adults up in the room. Amen. I actually used to be a young adult pastor for Shalice. But that was when I was a lot thinner. And I had hair. Somebody say amen. So. It's good to see her and a wonderful husband and family and everybody in the room. We're going to go to the word of God, but before we do, let me just offer prayers as my custom. Join with me. God, we want to say thank you. Because if it had not been for you who was on our side, we would have been swallowed up in victory. But we are thankful to you who has given us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, you made a way for us. And Lord, we are here today to continue to lean into your way. Now, God, as we take some time to look at your words, Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit as we hear your words. God, I pray you would remove me and cause your spirit to stand forth. Lord, helping us to hear what it is that your spirit is saying to the church today. God, as your word comes forth and as you speak to our hearts, Lord, may the people be edified. May your name be glorified. May the devil be horrified as the people of God step forward 
to become who we must be in this day and hour. We'll give your name all the praise, glory, and honor. Everyone respond as we pray in Jesus' name and say amen. amen. Say it again, amen. amen. All right. Uh, so I am a little bit of a... Uh, I, I've actually still never had the chance to hear Pastor Murphy preach. We're always joking around in meetings and all of that. So uh, sometimes, you know, I, I, I need you to say amen. So is that y'all can, y'all can say amen? It ain't going to make you break out in a rash or nothing, right? You all right? All right. Let's go to the gospel according to John, the third chapter. The gospel according to John, the third chapter. And I'm gonna, it'll be up there on the screen, maybe, you know, with these clickers. Or maybe not. Oh, there it is. All right. Well, touch your neighbor. All right. You can follow along on the screen or you can look in your Bibles if you want to keep me honest. John chapter 3, and it reads, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but do you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. May God add a blessing to the reading of God's word. I'm going to talk uh, um, with us today on this conversation um, of new. I'm trying to go back to the front thing. All right. Y'all pray for me. Y'all know these PowerPoints like to get demon-possessed. We'll... <laughs> and some of y'all that, that's, that have technical skills, maybe after service, will together exercise the devil out the computers. But I want to talk to you about this idea of new, this notion that God is coming to make us a new people, and that God is coming to reconcile all things in this world to a new community. Now, first, as I start off real quick, I just got to start off by making sure that you know what Jesus I'm talking about. Y'all know there's a lot of versions of Jesus out there. I said that before when I came here to South Bay, but I always have to frame it that there's a lot of Jesuses out there. We know there's one Jesus, but there's a lot of perspectives of Jesus, right? So when I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking about that brown-skinned Palestinian Jew that lived on the underside of the Roman Empire. I'm talking about that Jew that was born to an unwed mother that lived as a refugee seeking asylum in Egypt. I'm talking about a Jesus who returned back home with a prophetic message that upset the religious elite. I'm talking about a Jesus that ultimately was falsely arrested by the police of his day. I'm talking about a Jesus who was executed by the government. Somebody say that Jesus. Are we clear? Somebody say amen. Amen. That that Jesus is the Jesus that proclaims the gospel to us. 
Isn't it interesting that out of all the forms that God could have revealed God's self to us, that God chose to do so through that Jesus. That God could have birthed God's self into worldly power. That God could have birthed God's self into resources and into affluence. But God chose for some reason to birth God's self among us in the middle of obvious conflict. That's where God said, I'm going to proclaim my gospel of good news to you. Not in everything that's right, but in the middle of everything that's wrong. That God is not a God that's afraid of what's wrong. But God is about building a story right there in the middle of it all. Jesus comes starting uh, a new world's reconciliation. I like to call it the God project. Somebody say the God project. God looks at humanity, looks at the world and sees that we are out of alignment with God, out of relationship with God, and out of relationship with one another. And Jesus comes to initiate the God project. Now, I want to tell you, I believe Jesus came to do more than just get us spiritual life insurance. I wish I had a witness at South Bay Community Church. Huh? That, that we, Jesus didn't come just to uh, help us ensure that when we die, we can make sure we're going to the right place. That's important. But I also believe that Jesus came to give us power, the Bible says, for life and godliness. Somebody say godliness. That Jesus came to give us some power to live this life. Causing and creating us to become a new people who would form new community. I love in this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a person of affluence. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which means during that time, and I know y'all know all of this. There's probably folks in here with more degrees than a thermometer. Somebody say amen. That's great. We need that, right? Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who because of the structure of that day, those who became Pharisees, were those who everyone started off in the uh, uh, rabbinical school, the, the, the Jewish teaching, and those who couldn't catch it or didn't belong to the right family ultimately were sent to be fishermen or sent to be carpenters or sent to be other different kinds of handy jobs. And the elite of the elite were those who were the ones that were taught to read and write and ultimately became Pharisees. So here we have an upside down situation. Somebody say upside down where you have the person of affluence and great education coming to the carpenter, the one who didn't get the education, the one who didn't get the resources. And Jesus tells Nicodemus as he comes, he says, unless you become a new human being, you won't be able to see the world that God is trying to make. The kingdom of God. Jesus says, you're going to have to be born of the water and you're going to have to be born of the spirit. You're going to have to have a supernatural experience that turns you into a supernatural person. Do you know that God's not calling us again just to get life insurance and keep living the same kind of broken life and in the same kind of broken community we living in right now? And I come from the little Pentecostal church back in the day, so y'all got to excuse me because we believe that God wants to give us all some supernatural power. Power to live this life and bring about the changes in us and in the world around us. Jesus comes, and as he's teaching, he's initiating a different and new way of thinking. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, 
we have what we call the Beatitudes. There are these teachings that, that uh, most likely theologians say that Jesus went around for two to three years teaching these teachings in a variety of different ways. We've called it and it's understood in the collection of scriptures as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the writer of Matthew was writing that gospel to the Jews. So there was some imagery that theologians believe was happening in the sense that uh, they were trying to portray Jesus in a mosaic way on a mountain because the gospel was originally written to the Jews. So they were trying to help them see Jesus giving a new law in the same way that the Jews have been holding on to mosaic law. So when we look at Matthew 5, we need to understand that Jesus is being portrayed in this passage as a liberative leader. Somebody say liberation. The, the, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount is being given as a way for folks to understand how they are freeing themselves from spiritual and social oppression and inviting themselves and others into new community. Matthew chapter 5, uh, Jesus says, I'm, I'm just, y'all cool if I just go without the PowerPoint? All right, because I, I don't want to keep playing with this thing. All right, Jesus says... In Matthew chapter 5, everybody say new. Yeah. All right, you don't need to slide. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those, blessed are the poor in spirit. Matthew 5 verse 3, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus teaches us that if we're going to find the world that God is making, we're going to have to be willing to both confront the challenges inside of us, and we're going to have to find where God is birthing the kingdom in the challenges of our world. Do you realize that the problems that are happening in our lives, in society, are actually creating opportunities? Somebody say opportunities opportunities for us to see the kingdom of God that is emerging. You know, I was growing up in church. I heard somebody say, if I had never had a problem, I would not know that God could solve it. Somebody need to write that down, right? <laughs> that God invites us into opportunities and births the kingdom, not where things are fixed, but where things are broken. And what would it look like if we started putting on some kingdom glasses and walking around and looking for where things were broken in our own lives, in our own relationships, in the world around us? And instead of getting paralyzed in fear, we saw that as saying, mm, something is wrong in my family. Must be an opportunity that God is trying to change. There's something wrong in my neighborhood. Must be something that God is trying to change. There's something wrong with me. Must be an opportunity. That God's trying to birth something in me. You know, I've never been pregnant. And, and, and I, I've tried to stay away from giving... Um, uh, <laughs> analogies and metaphors that I know nothing about. Amen. So if the women just give me a little license to make an observation of what I saw from my wife. Is that all right? But the one thing I saw was, was that in the formation of, uh, of, of the children in my wife's womb, there were things that were happening that I couldn't see around. There were, there were and there was some, the, the signal that we got that new life was being born was, we got to eat lunch after this, right? The, the signal was that, 
that there was, there was some vomiting and, and some, some symptoms that started showing up that were not pretty, didn't smell good, didn't feel good. All the women say amen. amen. It was not right, but it was a signal that something that we couldn't see was actually positioned to step forward into the world and begin to live a life. Could it be that the symptoms of our life of brokenness and challenge is God inviting a new birthing of a version of who we need to be? So Jesus tells us, don't run away from the challenges. The poor in spirit, the actual poor, the destitute, he tells us the kingdom of God is found in the middle of that brokenness. But he doesn't want us to just stay in the challenge and it was broken, but he also wants to go us to take a step further into pursuit. Someone say pursuit. Jesus tells Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. You've got to become this new version of yourself empowered by a Holy Spirit over human instinct, empowered by faith over fear. He says you've got to change. And he says it's only going to happen as you're being birthed by the Spirit. Right? He says flesh can't do this thing for you. You can, you can get all the knowledge you want to get. You could be from, you know, wherever and know who and know whatever is going on. But there's certain things that God is birthing that are only going to happen by the Spirit. Now, we're not going to get birthed by the Spirit unless we're pursuing God. Somebody say pursue God. Now, when I'm saying pursue God, I mean we've got to do more than, than pursue God uh, like, 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 you know, like, like we just hope God answers. Jesus gives many stories and parables, one where he talks about uh, the one that if you wanted something from your neighbors, you needed some bread. He says, wouldn't that person go up and knock on the door of the house, even at midnight, knocking on the door until someone answers? We must be people who are pursuing the presence of God with a kind of abandon, with a reckless abandon, until we become the people that God needs to change the world around us. Somebody say, by the Spirit. In Matthew, Jesus building on this. Matthew 5, verses 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We need to hunger and thirst for the new thing. That word righteousness in the, in the Greek comes from the word dikaiosene which has kind of two meanings, right? In the sense that the the first definition of it is righteousness being that we will be in right standing with God or right positioning with God. It, it, it seems to indicate, come here, brother. It, it, yeah, I've just done brought you into my sermon. It, it seems to... <laughs> It seems to indicate, come on up here. It seems to indicate this idea of right positioning. I want you to get a picture of righteousness. It, it, it indicates that there is something that we are trying to accomplish. And righteousness is about being in right positioning and right standing for us to accomplish the ultimate goal. Y'all got that? So righteousness, if we're trying to move forward and I'm turned to the sideways, it's nothing wrong with going this direction, but it is not in the ultimate goal. So righteousness is, is about me changing and getting into right positioning. 
So if God is moving the world forward into newness, if God is moving my life forward into newness, I got to make sure that I'm not facing the wrong area, but that I'm facing the right direction so we can walk forward with God. Somebody say righteousness. Now, the second definition of that word righteousness, dikaiosene in the Greek, is defined as the word justice. Now, there's a whole lot of reasons why some of us that like theology and and love to study some of this stuff question why some of King James' initial translation of scriptures were what they were, not wanting people to go too deep into the understanding because he was a little bit of a hegemonic uh, ruler over there in England, and this idea of justice might have been a little bit of a threat to him. I want you to hear that scripture. Jesus saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be filled. Psalm 37, 4, the psalmist writes, he says, if you commit your way to the Lord, the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. I I want us to think about this in in a different way. I used to hear that scripture all the time and think about if I do what God is wanting me to do, I'll follow that pathway. God will give me what I want. Oh, let's look at it differently. That if we'll commit our way to the Lord, that righteousness, walking with God in that forward progression, God will give us the desires of our heart that we need. If I'm not desiring righteousness, if I'll commit that way, God will give me a, a desire for righteousness. God will give me a desire for justice. God will give me a courage for those that are oppressed. God will give me fuel for those that are suffering. It's not about us getting those desires from social media. Not getting those desires from the political apparatus. As far as I'm concerned, Republicans and the Democrats going to hell. Amen. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Where were you? That, well, let me say it like this. They ain't going to save what's wrong in the world. What it's going to take are those who are hungering and thirsting for what is right. So that we can be the hands and the feet of God in the world. Jesus also teaches us, along with that hunger and thirst for righteousness, we also have to be those who are singing, seeking and hungering and desiring to be merciful. You know, Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 7, a little bit on in this uh, sermon, he, he says, uh, judge not, lest ye be judged, which I just did by saying they were going to hell. Look at, the, look at the person next to you and say, we are work in progress. Amen. <laughs> right? Jesus says, judge not lest ye be judged. For with the same measure of judgment you measure out, it'll be measured back to you. We've got to be the folks who are carrier, carriers of mercy. Because that same measure of mercy we give out is that same measure that'll be of mercy given back to ourselves. So we've got to be people who pursue the spirit and the presence of God so we can be full with the right desires. Jesus says in that, in Matthew 5, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's not so much purity of heart just around piety in the sense that you found out all the right theology and now you know how to cross all of your homiletical and hermeneutical T's and I's. And you understand the, 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 the framework of your systematic theology. 
right? Or, or that we've got good doctrine and my doctrine can beat your doctrine. I grew up in church, so I, I love, you know, when people want to argue the Bible, right? Because we can all sit down depending on what, what book of Bible poker cards we can play and I'm going to try to beat your hand with my hand and we're going to figure out who's right. I don't think that's what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to pure in heart. Psalm 24 says, who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who can stand in God's holy place? He said, it's the one who has clean hands. Somebody say clean hands. And a pure heart. He, the, the psalmist is telling us that if we're going to stand in the presence of the Lord, just like I talked about righteousness, our lives, the way we try to lean forward into the world must be in alignment with the faithfulness God calls us in our hearts. And I don't believe that God is calling for perfection. Thing I, or else we all in trouble. Not, not to go do stuff in the community. I'm just talking about in your own regular life, right? To figure out what it means to be a good human being. It's not about perfection. God does not need ability. God needs availability. The question is, when the spirit starts walking along the earth, looking for someone that it could find favor in, are you a warm, welcome womb like Mary was? For the Lord to step forward and say, I want to birth something new in Fremont. I want to birth something new in Hayward. I want to birth something new in your family. I want to birth something new in your own life. Are you a ready, warm, welcoming womb? Or do our hearts look like what happened when Mary showed up in Bethlehem and the king of glory was trying to be birthed? And do our hearts say there's no room in the end? Not y'all. I mean, well, not y'all. Y'all very spiritual people here at South Bay Community Church. I'm talking about all the rest of us. Y'all know I'm from Oakland, so I'm a little. Y'all pray for us over there you know, on the east side. Amen, right? Jesus wants us to lean into challenges. He wants us to pursue the spirit of God with deep abandon. And then he also wants us to take some risk. Somebody say risk. Jesus was challenging Nicodemus in his place of privilege with these ideas because of Nicodemus' climb. I would venture to say, in the world around him. Jesus calls Nicodemus through these teachings and through the invitation that if you want to follow me, you're going to have to take some risks. You know, Jesus says in in Mark chapter 8 that uh, anyone who wants to follow me, first thing Jesus says we got to do is deny ourselves. Now that's hard. You know, I don't think this is like a metaphorical denying. You know what I mean? Like, I think when Jesus said, deny yourself, I think he meant deny yourself. Real talk, right? And Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross. We can't, we can't water that down because the cross during the time of Jesus would be the same experience that people of color have when they think about being killed by the police. It was that same kind of imagery. I'm not making a statement on police shootings. I, I, I work to work on a relationship between police communities, so I don't want anybody, to, you know, don't, don't lose me in the last five minutes, all right? And then that's all you think about the next five minutes. Oh, is he anti-police or pro-police? Oh, we, we got all that. We work together, all right? But for Jesus to say, take up your cross, would have been to tell them, put yourself in the place to be killed and follow me. Everybody say hard saying. Then Jesus follows up with another one. Whoever 
is trying to save their own life will lose it. But if you lose your life for the sake of me and my message, watch this, you will find your life. It's deep, y'all. I hope y'all rocking with Jesus. This is I, I like to rock with this dude, right? Because what he's saying is the life we think we have, we really don't. That there's a new kind of humanity that's waiting out there that can only be found by pursuing the spirit of God and allowing the spirit to call you into risk. Now, risk doesn't mean showing up in a community. It doesn't have to mean protest. It doesn't have to mean action. It can mean that, but it doesn't have to mean that. Risk can be you learning how to forgive your sister. I wish I had a witness in the room. Some of us rather show up at a protest than forgive our sister, man. But Jesus says we got to be willing to lose that we can gain. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Right? Jesus doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. He says blessed are the peacemakers. Difference between a peacekeeper and peacemaker. Peacekeeper definition is one who preserves the existing peace, protects the status quo. Peacemaker is one who inserts themselves in obvious conflict to reconcile parties. Jesus doesn't say step into life. Jesus is not giving us the Holy Spirit so we can maintain the status quo. I'm so glad Jesus didn't come into the world to maintain the status quo. Jesus said, I came to turn mother against daughter, father against son. Jesus came in to make the peace. And he's calling us to be those who will take some risks to make some peace. When, it, when I was reducing violence in Oakland and to God's glory, because there were Christians and people that loved Jesus that were willing to get engaged in, in figuring a way how to see the dignity and the, and the, and the, and the blessing inside Pookie and Ray Ray. Uh, 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 hey, so just, just a little quick moment. Here's a little quick funny, right? Around implicit bias. I said Pookie and Ray Ray, and some of us don't even know Pookie and Ray Ray, but you know what he looked like, right? That's just crazy. <laughs> I do that when I train the police, and we, we laugh at the same time, right? All right, we'll talk about that later. But in any case, when we were doing that violence reduction to God's glory, because we got involved with folks, we were able to reduce the homicide rate in Oakland by 50% over five years, right? That's to God's glory, right? But when we first started, I'm talking about taking risks. When we first started, we used to do these night walks where we would walk in the community from like 10 p.m. to 2 in the morning and, and be walking and talking, building relationships with the loved ones. And one of the neighborhoods we would walk in is called Sobrani Park. Somebody from Oakland in the, in the room. <laughs> right? So when we first started off in Sobrani Park, it, it was hard in the beginning. And some folks sent word through their cousin to one of the preachers, said, if you don't tell those preachers to stop walking on the block because they're making it hot, if you don't understand that translation, ask your neighbor after service. Right? <laughs> what was he talking about, making the block hot? Somebody, who know what I'm talking about? All right, you go see them people after. <laughs> said, they're making the block hot. And then you tell them if they don't, we're going to cap them, shoot them. So the preacher came to the meeting, and he said, Ben, what are we going to do? I said, well, what you mean what we going to do? We got to go walk in the neighborhood next week. And he said, 
Well, what about what they say? I said, I thought you told me you had the Holy Ghost. I was just being egotistical and mean to him. I should have been loved, more loving and kind because I was scared too, keeping it all the way real. Right? <laughs> I just had a little man ego moment, right? But the point, the point of the story I said was, I said, how can we say that we are filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and we scared of our own loved ones? We still, we scared to confront the systems in this world. I said, we say, Nobody in this else is saying this about us. We say we feel with that spirit. That's not what society is saying. They're not saying we are filled with the creative energy of the divine one. That's what we say, right? So following Jesus is about us making steps to take risks so God can form us into being who God wants us to be. As those who are joining God, as I'm getting ready to close, In making the new, we must try as we can to avoid the temptations of risk-averse Christianity. Y'all know risk-averse Christianity. Again, I forgot. Y'all very anointed up in here. Y'all born in amniotic anointing fluid in your mother's womb and take showers and baptismal water. But somebody like me, I, I was a little rebellious person. I still got a little rebellious nature. Y'all pray for me that God help me, right? But this idea of risk-averse Christianity, I'm always trying to figure out how can I walk the line of what it means to follow Jesus as close as possible without disrupting my life. I don't want to spill my metaphorical caramel macchiato with the foam on the top. Right? I want to follow you, Lord. But I don't want no problems either, right? I want to follow you, Jesus. But like, you know, it's cool. I just... You know what I mean? Let's have an understanding. But the Lord is calling us not to be risk averse. Because how many people know that the kingdom of God suffereth violence? That's scripture, but the violent take it by force. We are people who are called to live in a forceful way as Christians. Meaning sometimes we're going to have to be adjutants, not just in the world, but in our own lives, in our own communities, with yourself. Sometimes you need to have a personal protest action in your own living room. (laughs) Sit in the mirror, look at yourself in the mirror, and protest at yourself, right? (laughs) You need to look in that mirror with some of our bad behavior and just holler, shut it down, right? Just... Look, look at yourself and say, if we don't get no holiness, then you won't get no peace, right? You just need to. I'm, I'm, I'm outing myself a little bit as a protester. All right, let me wrap this up for, for Brian Kilby if he see this tape. What you talking about? We are called to be folks that are following Jesus to reconcile our lives. I, and I don't believe that that, that God wants us to have horrible, non-joyful lives. But I also don't believe that God wants us to sit on the sidelines while God is trying to make all things new. And so I think a part of what we need to do, like Jesus told Nicodemus, the Spirit's blowing. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. But you can hear the sound of it. 
Beloved, my, my, my challenge to us is, will you turn your ear to the Spirit to hear what is God calling me to do to make all things new in my life, to make all things new in my family, make all things new on my job, make all things new in my school. You might be in a dating relationship trying to figure out, are we really going to be something or not? Make all things new there or make all things new in the world around us. But that God wants to invite us into that. I'm, I'm closing now. Folks want to, just our music team to come and I'll tell us. You know, I arrived here this morning kind of heavy because I just got off a plane last night at about 1030 from the border. And I was down there at the detention center where there are our families there. I and mean, this is not a political statement because um, I think I made somebody get up and walk out in the, in the morning service, which is all right. That happens a lot. But what I want us to hear is, is that in that moment, I had to ask myself, and what I continue to ask folks is ask people that follow Jesus. What we're called to be responsive to is not politics, but faithfulness. What is the right thing to be done? And as I stood on that other side of the wall of the detention center, and began to pray, and I heard the women and the children crying out to us in Spanish. After having a meeting the day before with Senator Harris, she came out, she told us that the women in there said that if they can't find their kids, they're going to commit suicide because they can't imagine a life without their toddlers. We, as the people that follow Jesus, I don't care about left, right, Republican, Democrat, because at the end of the day, I don't think that's what Jesus, that card Jesus checking when I go to heaven. He going to ask Matthew 25, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me something to drink? When I was in jail, did you visit me? When I was a foreigner, the Greek root word of that means sojourner or translated immigrant. Did you take me in? That's what Jesus is going to say. Y'all, I want us to be able to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Stand on your feet with me. In the Exodus, the chapter 3, Moses is doing his job, being a good shepherd, doing what he should be doing. He's walking up, Exodus chapter 3, walking up a road. He sees a bush on fire. The scripture says that when Moses saw the bush on fire not being consumed, he turned aside. And the scripture says when God saw Moses turn aside, God spoke to him from the bush. I was talking with one of my rabbi friends. I said, do I got... Exodus 3, right? You know, I feel a little insecure talking to you about, about uh, Moses. And he told me, he said, you got it right. Only one thing you're missing. He said, we believe that the bush was always burning, but God was waiting for someone to see it. Where are the burning bushes that God is calling us as those who follow Jesus to see this week in your family? In your own life, you're doing everything right. I'm not accusing nobody of doing nothing wrong. You're being a shepherd. We're doing our work. We're trying to be a productive citizen. 
But is God also calling us to turn aside, see something we haven't seen before, so that God can speak to us to go and help those oppressed to be made free? Let me pray a prayer for us. Lord, we thank you because we know without your spirit, we can do nothing. So I pray right now, Lord, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon my brothers and sisters. I pray, Lord, that you help us be filled with you in order to change ourselves to be vessels of glory and honor. Lord, we pray for anyone that is struggling with infirmity in their body or challenge around resources, that you would come and meet needs, that you would bring healing, that you would bring resources for folks who are out of relationship with one another. Lord, we pray for restoration. For folks, Lord, who are struggling right now with the impacts of stress on their mind and depression, we pray for freedom. And Lord, we pray for all of those who are oppressed and struggling out there that are the ones you came for. God, cause us to see burning bushes this week and be the ones who turn aside so we can hear you speak to us afresh. Give us your Holy Spirit and we will say yes as you call us forward. In Jesus' name, amen.